Hello everyone, this is the first Sensical Speak podcast um, and over the past few weeks we've had uh, quite the media activity, we've had quite a lot of juicy things happening, um, we've had Black Lives Matter, we've had uh, accusations of racism, no matter uh, what your character uh, what you've done, just the fact that you are white nowadays apparently uh, means that you are privileged and automatically racist. Um, and apparently nowadays, the way to go about a debate is to try and have a competition of who is the bigger victim. Uh, you know, we've got Labour MPs judging Pretty Patel and saying, oh, but I've been, uh, I've been victim of uh, more, more abuse than you. And then apparently the only way to combat that is to have somebody who is also of a uh, black or ethnic minority uh, race. Um, so that's, we really are in quite, uh, quite unusual times. Uh, yeah, another topic which I think is quite important uh, that needs to be discussed is the whole premise of statues which are being currently appealed to be taken down or unlawfully taken down, as was the Edward Colston statue in uh, Bristol. And that's that, that has now been fished out of the river after the idiotic protesters threw it in, which is, in fact, illegal, but the police decided not to apply the law. Mm. Well, because obviously it would be racist to appro- apply a uh, law like that, wouldn't well, it? Well, no, actually, what they actually said was that by applying the law, that would cause potentially further violence. So they said they decided against it. They decided not to apply the law. They decided to selectively apply the law. But I was thinking, well, no, your job isn't to decide when the law applies. It is to enact the law. Mm. Because otherwise, mm. surely that just gives people the um, permission to just go and tear down any sort of statue they want because hmm. why is the law being selectively applied? And we've now seen that. Um, obviously, there was the Edward Colston statue, which because he had links to the slave trade, they torn down, despite the fact he used his wealth to support uh, schools, hospitals, almshouses, churches in Bristol, London and elsewhere. Apparently, that doesn't matter anymore. It needs to be torn down. The University of Liverpool have now said they're going to rename Gladstone Hall a former Prime Minister, because he spoke out against the abolition of slavery um, in Parliament and his parents had links to the slave trade, so apparently that means we can't have a hall named after him. Robert Baden-Powell, another one, the founder of the uh, the Scouts and the Girl Guides, they're now having to remove him because, just in case the protesters decide they want to rip it down, they're now having to remove it as a precaution, which is just ridiculous. We shouldn't have to be taking down statues because they might get defaced. We need to be doing stuff to stop that. Mm. And um, not only the tearing down of statues, but we've also seen these protesters in London have been defacing the Cenotaph, the War Memorial, Churchill statue, Queen Victoria. Uh, their statue was, uh, her statue in Leeds was defaced, despite the fact that she was born 12 years after the abolition of the slave trade. Yeah. So it's all just going yeah. a bit ridiculous. Oh, I think the whole premise of defacing statues, etc., including wartime hero um, Winston Churchill, it's all, it, it just all represents how people are now trying to escape a history which is completely unescapable. We cannot run away from the fact that the slave trade existed and is now considered unacceptable. But historically, the slave trade at the time 
wasn't considered as unacceptable. We now have the power of hindsight to look back on the slave trade and understand the fact that it was in fact racist. But people who were involved in the slave trade at the time cannot be held accountable for their actions because society wasn't aware that that was unacceptable at that point. Therefore, people like Edward Colston, who also used their wealth to do good things, shouldn't, shouldn't have their statues torn down because it's just completely unrealistic because they weren't an entirely bad people. They were just involved in bad concepts which society accepts. And I mean, you can, you can take absolutely any uh, political figure throughout time or anyone throughout time and make some sort of link towards slavery. And the thing I think is worst is that now, if you're the same race of somebody who is engaged in uh, something like that, whether, you, whether or not you've even met them before is somehow an excuse to uh, make that link in the same way as if you're in the same race as a victim then that automatically makes you a victim and what i've always wondered is what happened to the times where we were talking about nobody chooses their race it's nobody's fault uh, that they're in one race or another um and it seems that uh seems that these people are actually just using racism and the idea of slavery mm. and all of this thing as an excuse to fuel their own prejudices um, and it's very difficult to argue against without provoking people. And it's unbelievable when you look at our politicians in the UK, it's unbelievable how weak they're being in comparison to people like Trump, where uh, as soon as they're asked, um, would you, uh, what do you think about renaming military establishments? He said straight away, we're not even going to consider doing that. But our politicians in the UK simply can't uh, deal with the sort of twit storm that they're inevitably going to receive if they say something like that. Um, and I think that's a, big, that's a big thing that Boris pointed out as well, is that um, there's always going to be a reaction from provocateurs, and it's just about trying to realise how much of a minority those people actually represent. I think another thing that is important is remembering how far we've actually come. Because if you think about even sort of maybe 30, 20 years ago, racist, sexist, homophobic views were commonplace. Mm. And pretty much any historical figure, you can possibly, you can most likely link them to some sort of racist, sexist or homophobic views. So do we not have to remove the statues of anyone, mm. any historical figure, because they might have had those views? Mm. Or do we keep them up as a symbol of how far we've come? And with the um, with them removing Little Britain and Come Fly With Me from huh. Netflix and the BBC, it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Little Britain didn't make fun of people... Well, it made fun of everyone for a start. It made fun of people who had racist views. If you think about I can't remember the name, but that woman who spat out whatever she ate when hearing it was made by an ethnic minority. Mm. Or Ian Foote from Come Fly With Me, who was a racist. He was made fun of... For being a racist, it wasn't the yeah, it wasn't the, the people he was yeah, interviewing yeah. that were the ones being made fun of. And the the thing is, with shows like Little Britain and going back a lot further with things like Faulty Towers, is the point in them isn't that they are racist. The point isn't that they cross uh, sort of social boundaries that have been set. The point is that they're funny. And sometimes you can aid the humour with sort of uh, pushing those boundaries. And Seth MacFarlane, who's the creator of Family Guy, made a good point, is that 
we we all know that uh, Family Guy has been criticised for being racist a lot. But what he said is, I think, something that's uh, very, very reasonable, which is that we use racist humour, but not just for the sake of being racist. It still actually has to be funny. And I think part of it is that um, these social justice warriors have created a demand for humour which is purely racist. And you see that, and I, I was beginning to think Netflix was opening up to that kind of thing with you know, when you've got Jimmy Carr and Ricky Gervais just talking about things that are rude or offensive just for the sake of being offensive, um, not because they're funny, uh, but just because they're going to have... Uh, they know they're going to have some sort of reaction. And so I, to be honest, I miss the days where uh, humour was a lot less limited and... If it's less limited, this is what people don't realise. If humour is less limited, it's not like people are all of a sudden going to be uh, saying all of these racist things. Because in general, people aren't that racist. The only the the uh, vast majority of uh, offensive humour that we see is as a response to a demand for racist humour. And you only create that demand once it's restricted, so... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's very fair to say because uh, the whole uh, this this might just be my opinion, but I think as a whole, the whole concept of uh, kind of jokes and humour should be based around kind of pushing pushing boundaries and mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes you know push it, pushing the boundaries and going beyond what mm-hmm. people you know to get that kind of shock factor which actually <laughs> amuses people because mm-hmm. uh, and not everyone's going to find a joke funny, but it's like. It's, it depends on an individual's taste as well because saying, oh, it's not a joke unless I laugh because there are some, there are some overly sensitive people who would get offended by some joke content. It, it's similar to saying, well, that's not music because I don't like it to, yeah. to a certain genre mm. of music. So, for example, if elderly people don't like rap music, for example, they, they don't say that it's not music. It's still, they still, accept, the fa- they still <laughs> accept the fact that it is music which but is similar, shit <laughs> which yeah. is sim- which is similar to the fact that j- humor should be accepted as something which is boundary pushing, and some people might not, some people might not support that, but th- and that's and that's okay. But it shouldn't, we shouldn't be limited by a few people who disagree with kind of humor which has some shock factor to it. Do you remember when we used to be taught sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me? And that's been, I think, completely reversed now. Yeah. Sticks and stones will break my bones and words will always hurt me, so silence the people who dare to say them. Yeah, the idea of a, of a joke that pushes boundaries is not to harm people because it, it's just there to be amusing. Mm. There isn't any harm that comes about from it. And actually, I think that... Going back to the kind of idea of toppling statues where this whole conversation has started, I think everyone can see there are some real issues in the world. And obviously the death of George Floyd was awful and it was murder. But that, that, that shouldn't mean we now have to topple statues. Because if it, if it is really that big of an issue that there's a statue of a scout leader in Poole, why wasn't it raised earlier? Mm. And I know people are saying that the Bristol one, there was a petition to get rid of it or multiple petitions, but it doesn't make a difference if there was a petition. There's probably a petition for many things, but 
if only what one percent or two percent of residents sign it that means that 98 percent of people either wasn't aware of the petition or Mm. wants the statue to remain and and we saw there was a YouGov poll I think about 4,000 people I think it was only 13 percent actually agreed with the removal of the statue and the way it was done 40 percent agreed with its removal but not the way it's done 13 percent agreed with the way it's done so why are we allowing this I think in many ways Sadiq Khan is just committing political suicide really probably in the same way as uh, Jeremy Corbyn and to an extent Hillary Clinton did because it's so easy to overestimate how uh, how big of a proportion of a society these sort of immensely vocal people represent um, just because you can shout louder than somebody else it doesn't mean there's more people so and I think that's one of the big things about Twitter because Twitter is basically full of people either side of the debate but quite far either side of the debate you only get the one percent most extreme opinions there yeah and you see it because you make one little joke on twitter and people are blocking you left right and center or maybe just left normally (laughs) but let's go with left right and center um because it is people that anyone that disagrees with them they're not willing to debate they just Mm. Well, either play the racist card, the sex card, the homophobic card, or they just don't want to listen. Also, there's there's a loophole in when, when you talk about not being able to b- debate with people like this. It's almost as if the race that you are uh, confirms or um, or sort of opposes the validity of your point. It's like since when is that the case? Since when uh, does being white make you wrong? It's just like whatever you say to a uh, to a violent protester as a white person, their response is just going to be, "Well, you would say that as a white privileged prick," you know. Yeah. And and people, uh, just going off that point, people people, I I have been called racist for bringing up kind of relevant facts, and people can't people people can't accept the fact that. So, in the US, for example, in 2018, there was a survey on crime, and uh, black-on-white crime was almost ten times higher than white-on-black crime. Mm. And it, it just goes to show that uh, black people make up 13% of the US population, but 52% of violent crime, mm-hmm. yet still a higher number of white people are shot every year by police, shot and killed by police. Mm-hmm. But black, black Lives Matter as a movement... Isn't 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 there for anyone except when it's a white on black police shooting, and they have the ability to blame something on racism. I feel so. For example, for example, um, the, uh, George when George Floyd was killed, Derek Chauvin don't know how to pronounce his surname. The man who killed him knew him personally because they worked in a nightclub together. Now I'm not saying that doesn't mean the the murder because I. Obviously, I support. I completely support uh, support people in saying that he shouldn't have been killed, and he didn't. He didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to be killed. Um, you know, it it can't be completely blamed on race because there's there are similar cases. In 2016, uh, Tony Timper was was put in the same neck hold that uh, George that killed George Floyd for thir- for 13 minutes, and he also died. But the police, the police who did that to him 
did not receive any charges and are back on active duty and no one protested for them. And Black Lives Matter is saying, just because we're saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean your life doesn't matter. Well, actually, the fact that they didn't fight for a white man having the exact same treatment and no justice, the fact that they didn't fight for him shows that they don't think anyone at any other lives matter. So actually, them, them condemning the movement All Lives Matter is actually is actually just completely unrealistic because Black Lives Matter are suggesting that, that it's not as if they don't care about all lives, yet they don't fight for all lives themselves. Mm-hmm. I think going, finally, before we move on to something else, I think going back to the point on how sometimes your race or ethnicity um, kind of defines what, what view you're perceived to supposed to have. And I think that, I know we've mentioned Pretty Patel before, but we saw this when Pretty Patel was accused of well they accused the government person on the labor side accused the government of not understanding racism and um pretty patel as a as a woman of indian heritage is just supposed to have these radical views like the vocal yeah, people yeah. have actually it, it it doesn't it's it's a two-way street and we've seen examples of that for example the guardian publishing a cartoon of as she put it, a fat cow with a ring through her nose, and apparently that's acceptable, despite the fact that that is that is racist, mm. and they've said it is, and the Guardian have said they're not getting rid of it. I mean, I hate using examples like this, but just imagine if somebody did that to Diane Abbott, there would be mm. absolute outcry. Imagine if the Telegraph did that to Diane Abbott, it would not be the same thing. And it just seems that if you're on the left side of the debate, um, your opinion according to the vocal, again, the vocal minority, is just a lot more valid than if you're, as they put it, as they quite like to put it, a coconut on the, um, on the right side. Pretty much. So moving on to the uh, second part of our conversation, we're trying to think of what kind of big things have been happening in the news lately. And we weren't too sure. I mean, there's nothing really been happening for the last no, few months or anything. Much. No. Apart from COVID. So you thought we might as well talk about that. Because that might be a good conversation topic. And I want to begin with, um, well, there was a clip with the um, ex-government scientific advisor, Neil Ferguson. He went on, I think it was Sky News yesterday. And um, I've got the clip and I'll play it to you now. The epidemic was um, doubling every three to four days before lockdown interventions were introduced. So had we introduced uh, lockdown measures a week earlier, we would have reduced the final death toll by at least a half. So obviously in that clip, you've heard Neil Ferguson um, saying how if we'd have locked down a week earlier, then we could have halved the COVID death toll. The first thing I want to point out is this is the same Neil Ferguson who predicted that if we did nothing, we'd have half a million deaths from COVID over the course of the outbreak. He then also ignored the lockdown rules to invite his partner over to um, sleep with her and then had to step down as a government advisor. He hasn't really had the best track record during all this, but he still decided to go out and say that we could have halved the death toll by locking down a week earlier. Now, this may be true. We don't know. But obviously, the media like this a lot because then they can use it as a big headline saying death toll would be halved if we'd locked down a week earlier. And then Piers Morgan, being Piers Morgan, decides to blame Boris's dithering and delay for the fact that we, um, 
we've now got double the death toll what would have been. Now, um, actually, I know this isn't a week, we locked down on the 23rd, but 10 days before that, this was the SAGE advice, I'm reading word for word. SAGE was unanimous that measures seeking to completely suppress spread of COVID-19 will cause a second peak. SAGE advises that it is a near certainty that countries such as China, where heavy suppression is underway, will experience a second peak once measures are relaxed. So just imagine press conference on the 13th of May. Boris comes out with the two scientific advisers and he says, from today we're locking down. First question, Laura Coonsborough from the BBC. And is this backed up by the scientific evidence? He goes, no, it's not. The scientists said it will cause a second peak, but I've decided we should lock down anyway. That would be awful. Everybody would say that's ridiculous, and rightly so, if he's ignoring the scientific advice. So actually, with hindsight, you can quite easily say that we should have locked down earlier, and that was a mistake. There have been mistakes made, but it doesn't help. The question needs to be about what we're doing now, because... They've made this decision with the scientific advice they've had at the time, and there's nothing that can be done about previous decisions. We need to be working on actually what's happening now. The thing is, you can come up with anything and say that if we did this earlier, if we did that earlier, using the information that we now have that we didn't at the time, um, you can suggest a whole, uh, a whole selection of uh, alternative routes that could have been taken, but... Um, it's not as if any of this information was completely accessible to us at the time because um, we're obviously in a better position now uh, that we know the outcome. You've got to remember this is a disease that, um, well, if it existed, we didn't know about it before about November or December in China um, uh, last year. And there was quite a lot of, I want to say, cover-up with the fact that on January the 14th, the World Health Organization said that Chinese authorities had found that there can be no human-to-human transmission of the virus. Now, that doesn't really help the other countries that need to prepare for it, does it? Um, so, yeah. Oh, exactly. It's, it's, it's misinformation like that which actually led to the current situation which we're in, but which people are still blaming on our Prime Minister as opposed to... Uh, it not being contained within China, China not being more vocal about it, especially to the World Health Organization, because it never it never would have been a problem if global transport uh, continued and China had shut itself down initially. It, coronavirus mm. would have been much less of a problem. So it can't be exclusively blamed on the UK as a country or Boris Johnson himself. And I think another thing is um, international comparisons seem to be something that those on the left or those on the Labour side are quite... They quite enjoy doing at the moment. And that is because the UK does have the second highest official death toll in the world. So um, so they use that as a line to attack Boris, saying it's the worst response, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of things you have to take into account. Things like population density, for a start. We have one of the highest population densities in Europe, in the world... Um, of countries that have had large outbreaks. Um, You've also got to take into account countries not reporting care home deaths um, and only reporting deaths in hospital like we did at the start. And then also countries that aren't very up to date or have changed their reporting method, like Spain have changed the reporting method. They're now reporting single-digit numbers of deaths per day, normally one, two or even zero. And the death toll has actually gone down because they changed the method of recording it. 
So there's no point making international comparisons till you do have the full data. Hmm. I mean, at the, at, at the current situation, if somebody who has coronavirus gets hit by a bus, that's registered as a coronavirus death. And quite frankly, I, I think it's completely stupid more than anything else to, uh, to try and go through a pandemic um, with that kind of measurement technique because you're not getting uh, the number of deaths of people who have died of COVID. You're getting the people who have died with COVID. Or suspected COVID. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, um, well, we've seen there are countries like Russia. Russia, I believe, are only reporting deaths if it is confirmed COVID and there are no underlying health conditions. So they can actually confirm it was COVID. Um, And there is just no perfect way to measure it. Because if you use that method, you will get a lower death toll than what you would have had than the actual kind of excess deaths for what you would have had at that time because there will be people that COVID has really sped up unfortunately the death process that's a really not very nice way of putting it but um but yeah there's just no perfect way to record it and I think that the left and the Labour side love to use these sort of attack lines like highest death rate in the world highest death toll in the world worst response we didn't do this we didn't do that why don't we all work together and actually look to solve it. Well, I think that's perfectly reasonable. But also the the other issue is it's the same people who are complaining about the response to coronavirus who are going out and protesting uh, and, and ignoring social distancing rules or going to the beach, etc. People have people have no right to complain about a coronavirus response if they are not themselves doing everything they can to obey government advice and listen to what what Boris is essentially saying because otherwise it's just it just it will create a second peak inevitably because mm. people aren't obeying government rules and have no right to complain because they're not obeying them themselves mm. i think we've seen hypocrisy on both sides really when you look at obviously ve day and people going to the well ve day um there were some sort of crowds in the speech those were mainly um spoken about badly by those on the left side of the debate the right side were either supportive or quiet generally people going to the beaches there was just generally moaning from everywhere but also people saying it's not that bad but then you get to the black lives matter protests and it is those on the left side of the debate that are attending it and those on the right who are saying it's silly i mean you've got um yeah hypocrisy on both sides really where some things are okay some things it it doesn't matter what the it shouldn't matter what the actual purpose of going some people are saying yeah but it's more important to go on a protest than to go to the beach well yes it's probably for a better cause yes Mm. but it doesn't make a difference covid doesn't care whether you're at the beach or on a protest if anything it's going to spread easier through a protest yeah much easier but also i think the media have done a pretty terrible job so far in reporting hypocrisy in that they will report some hypocrisy when it's convenient to them and completely ignore it in other scenarios so um we you know we all heard about the stupid dominic cummings stuff um where the media were basically hungry for headlines uh overestimating really how much i think people cared uh to be honest with you about dominic cummings um the thing is with with scenarios like that first of all I think there's reasonable... Well, first of all, the guidelines were quite vague, and so you can... It's, it's not too difficult to find a way around it in, in which it can be interpreted as following the guidelines. Um, but also, 
you've got um oh what was I gonna say? Well, um back to the Dominic Cummings thing. I think um he actually it was unprecedented. I mean that is a word that has been used way too much during this whole um, outbreak. I think if you had a chart for the amount of times Certainly, the word yes. unprecedented has been used, mm. there would be not very much, and then there would be exponential growth of that during this outbreak. But back to my point, he, he did a press conference. That, that is never seen from an advisor, from a special advisor, political advisor to the Prime Minister. He did a press conference. He answered questions, and he explained his reasons for it. He went up for childcare, because if both him and his wife became incapacitated with COVID, then they'd have no childcare. The thing is, even if he was technically not following the guidelines, you could, which I don't think, but even if he was, you could take any politician, track their every movement and find that everyone's been breaking the rules in some way or another. And to be honest, I think it's just the media's way of expressing their hatred for Dominic Cummings, not... Uh, not because he was any worse than any other politician. It's in partly probably because he likes fun- to he likes to express his hatred for them as well. Well, exactly, which makes me yeah. laugh. But. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there were Labour politicians. I can't remember Stephen, names. Stephen Kinnock went and visited his grandparents yes, two hundred miles away. It, that was it. I think it's um, Tahir Ali uh, attended a funeral. Vaughan yeah, Gething with at least hundred yeah, people. Yes. yes, Vaughan Gething is the Labour government welsh government health minister he said people should not be going out for picnics in the park and they should be staying at home he then was spotted having a picnic in the park with his family um and and obviously barry gardner attending the protest boasting about breaking the rules and all they care about is dominic cummings yeah, so I think it's very much arguable to say the level of hypocrisy is immense, yet the media only chooses to report certain uh, certain isolated cases, causing people to be provoked and spreading hate for Dominic Cummings, despite the fact that most people who are who ended up complaining about him doing what he did, whether it was law, uh, whether it was acceptable or not, um, the people complaining about what he did, uh, yet those people themselves have broken coronavirus regulations more likely than not. And I think the thing that really annoyed me and quite a lot of other people is just how far the media took it with constant questions. Because not only did Dominic Cummings come out and take a press conference himself for questions, there was then a press conference from Boris about 20 minutes after that. And every question was about Dominic Cummings. And this happened for about five days straight. And what the media don't understand is people don't want big headlines. They want to actually find out about what the government is doing. They don't want five days of questions over one man and his trip to Durham um, and the second trip, which actually was confirmed false. But obviously they don't report on that. They just report on the false story at first and not that it's been confirmed false. But anyway, they don't care about one man's trip to Durham. They care about schools going back, shops reopening. Um, Yeah, I generally think the media has been pretty awful during this whole thing. Couldn't agree more. Right, so that is going to be about it for this week. We think we've done enough talking. If you've got this far, congratulations. Goodbye. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we're going to try and do these kind of once a week, hopefully. We might get some sort of regular release, but to be honest with us three, that's quite unlikely because we'll, we'll just forget. Uh, but we'll try our best. Um, we're not going to delve into what we'll talk about next week because there'll probably be some other mega story that comes out, as seemed to happen all year. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed. <laughs>